The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. Are you in or out? Several games will let us know in the college football playoff race, and there are rakes to be stepped on and avoided everywhere. This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, November 10th. Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, Stanford Steve here, ready to make some fearless picks. Stanford Steve, how did the, how did things go on the fridge Saturday? As they normally do, Reese, two and two. We are holding steady. But this podcast, we're doing excellent. Hey, you're tearing it up on this podcast. More <laughs> uh, more, more volume. More volume has given you I just got to have Jimmy G just tell me who he wants to pick. That, that That's one I might do this week. Just tell me the games you want picks for. That way I don't Maybe have... Maybe they can build a graphic underneath your name, Steve, that says... Probably not. Picks on College Game Day Podcast <laughs> yeah. and put that probably, record in there. And it'd be good cross-promotion to get some more downloads for uh, for I'll, Taylor. I'll try and mention it. Yeah, yeah, mention the podcast, but uh, we're we're accepting no caveats like that. What goes on TV is <laughs> Correct. A, is a paramount. No excuses here. By the way, Steve, before we make picks and have Taylor go down the line, did did you get some of those um, some of those Baumhauer wings oh. last Saturday from uh, Tuscaloosa or any of the meat? Or I, I took a giant spoon and just ate right out of the vat of gumbo. It was amazing. I, I I am really upset that I've never been there before. Like that, that's an automatic. That's the best food, I believe, in my short time on the show that we've had brought to the set. And I will next time to Tuscaloosa, I will be going right there. That 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 it food is, is incredible. It is elite level, but it's yes. like a cut above bar food. It's like a different level Correct. of them. And I fall, I fall into the trap because I know people aren't going to believe this, but our friend, Jess Sims, New York city, you know, bastion of great restaurants. She validated what I believe Chuck's fish in Tuscaloosa sushi. is the best sushi I've yeah. ever had. And Jess said the same thing. She was confounded and astounded, but that, and so I, I, I wind up going there because it's one of my favorite restaurants anyway. It's right there with Campagnola uh, on the Upper East Side, New York City, which is the best Italian restaurant I've ever been to in Limoncello mm. in Boston, which is right there with it. And Chuck's Fish right there, too. But Baumhauer's, sometimes oh. you got to go for the other. It was amazing on Saturday. No doubt. And then I also got my first taste of pastalaya, which is jambalaya with no rice except bow ties at an LSU tailgate. Wow. Ooh. That was spectacular. Might have had two bowls. And it was served <laughs> to me. It, it was served to me literally with a shovel. That's how they do it in Baton Rouge. It was phenomenal. Uh, that would wow. I would wow. I would eat that. Yeah. That, that I love I love jambalaya. I, I love Cajun cuisine anyway. Mm. Pete, do you have anything? Chuck's fish have anything was the lead. I, I ate with Sims there uh the Thursday night we were there. Um uh, they were uh, they were kind enough to flip around games for me, which can be a little bit annoying mm-hmm. sometimes. There but yeah, go. the food the food was unbelievable. Uh Michelle Rosenhaus, our intrepid producer, uh had a bunch of sushi and I sampled some. It was it was excellent. I don't know, I don't I'm not even like sophisticated enough to like claim it's the best sushi I've ever had because I wouldn't know what was second, but it was really a great meal and uh, just a great night. The service was awesome. The people were awesome. A lot of like 
fans of the show, uh, people coming over wanting to chat about this and that. So it was it was a great Thursday night in uh, in Tuscaloosa, and I did have multiple of those Baumgauer wings. Usually, I'm not around when the food pops up, but they had, they dropped them off at the audio tent with Jason Levin and the boys, and mm. uh, I had one because I wanted to try it, and I had four within like 30 seconds. They go. were awesome yeah. chicken wings, like some and, of the best I've ever eaten. And most most of our listeners will know that Baumhauer is indeed Bob Baumhauer, yes. the great former Miami Dolphins defensive lineman who was an All American at Alabama, and you know just all around great guy. Bob Bob actually came up on uh, yeah. on stage uh, helping serve the food, so it was great great to see I him. Met so Bob, he has the old D lineman meat hook hands. I was going to say, he, I don't he, want he that does. man's hands on me, boy. <laughs> Woo, yeah. Those are real. I, I wasn't going to arm wrestle Bob. <laughs> tell you that. No. <laughs> All-time all great guy and great player. And now um, can't wait to get to Athens town this week because I love to jump up when they hunker down. That's an old school Georgia song. Uh, I love to see the red coat spell the name. I love to talk about the Georgia Bulldog things. But we're going to talk about a whole lot of other things now, making some picks. Weekend Preview is brought to you by Eckridge Smoked Sausage. The secret to winning game days this college football season is Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Visit Eckridge.com for dozens of simple, mouth-watering recipes to elevate your next tailgate. Taylor, let's let's get started. Make some winning picks. Give us the records, where we stand, and um, and what work needs to be done to try to reel in Stanford, Steve. Well, everyone, I think, had their best week in week 10. Steve went eight and two, Reese seven and three, Pete six and five. There was a push in there with uh, Iowa Northwestern. Uh, Pete is just, <laughs> or Steve, excuse me, is slowly inflating my uh, my gambling account, which has just been incredible. Um, the overall results, Steve is 16 games over 500. I don't know why you aren't like putting this on billboard, Steve, why you're not screaming it on sports center, uh, with Scott and making him pump up the, your picks on the podcast. It's, uh, it's something special is cooking over here. I have to say, all right, let's get to the games and we're going to pick this first one here just because it's Sarah Abbott, not on the podcast here today, but Maryland, a two and a half point favorite headed to Nebraska that kicks off at 12 PM Eastern time, the college game day podcast producer bowl. Let's go Reese, Steven and Pete. <laughs> My friend, my good friend, David Pollack, is going to laugh at me if he hears this because he knows of my uh, belief and uh, affinity for Talia Tungavailoa, who I like the fact that there's a little bit of a, a reckless edge to the way he plays. I like the, uh, the bravado, the willing to turn the ball loose in any circumstances. Um, he's going to be shocked that I'm going against them. But I've, you know... And my good friend, Scott Van Pelt, who loves the Terps, uh, bemoaning some of their recent fate in a, in a text back and forth mm. about the fact that the snake pit is not quite as venomous as one had uh, had suspected. Um, for this particular team, I've lost faith in picking Maryland. I still believe Mike Loxley. I still believe they can eventually improve and take it to the next level. They've got to avoid these uh, trap games that they fall into, like Northwestern. Um, I'm going to go with rule and the fellows at home getting a, getting a field goal. You're basically picking the winner when it's a field goal. So I'm going to go with Nebraska, despite their, uh, uh, poor performance on Saturday. I'm going to go with Nebraska at home. Yeah. It's been unfortunate. Um, what's happened to Maryland before the Penn state game, you know, double digit 14 point favorites in two games, you'll lose both on the field. Uh, it seems to be unraveling. And when you look ahead, 
It's Michigan and it's Rutgers, and they're going to be underdogs in that game. I'm, I don't think they should be favored in this game, so I'm going to take the home dog here with Nebraska. Well, I guess agreeing with you guys, since you're so much ahead of me, probably is a wise proposition. So I, I really like Nebraska's secondary. I feel like the corners are you know one of the strengths of that program right now. And Maryland has a little bit of that Pepto pick feel where if I picked them and they were down, you know, shut out in the first half, I just think, oh, why did I pick that sort mm-hmm. of flailing, sputtering unit that's sort of doing their traditional uh, end of season dive? Sorry, Taylor, but you've you've lived it a few times. So I am uh, on hunch and instinct going to take uh, going to take Nebraska with a with a few points to uh, to ride this out. I made a lot of money betting on Penn State last weekend. It was, you know, way to soften the blow. <laughs> so, Taylor, what are you doing now? Are you going to bet against Maryland or on Maryland as a result of all of us picking Nebraska? Oof. I was ready to go all in on Nebraska, but I, I might have to rethink that strategy after yeah. all of this. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Michigan, a four-and-a-half-point favorite, headed to Penn State. Uh, that game kicks off at 12 p.m. Eastern. Let's go Steve, Pete, and then Reese. I'm doing it. I'm taking Penn State. I've watched Michigan. I we've waited all this time to see the, the the true test. And when I watch them, that offensive line is not what Michigan has had. And 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 you know, you guys touched on it a little bit in the ranking show, Reese, with the idea of Georgia and Michigan, and the idea of what they are and what they are in the rankings, and the idea of what we've seen from them in the past. And it shouldn't be a factor, but it's hard. You know, when you look at what this team has done, what they've built up, what they have bringing back. But that offensive line is not what they've had uh, in years prior. And I think they're going to have their hands full. Uh, I'm going to take Penn State. There's a bit of a Pepto feel to uh, to this pick <laughs> because uh, picking Penn State would mean you're picking against sort of the big game James Franklin's uh, lack of history of winning big games. And uh, I am just going to wait to believe it, to see it. I think Penn state can win. Um, I don't think they will. I don't think there's, there's anything in empirically right now that shows that they can go out muscle Michigan. Cause that's really what you would have to do. It would be kind of a, a, a sumo type game. And uh, I don't think they have the ability to throw down field. Um, no James Franklin press conference pun intended there. And I don't think they have played the caliber of offense that, that Michigan has. So I am, uh, I'm going to take Michigan and we'll take Ohio state in this until proven otherwise. Uh, I hope it's a great game. I think it's a great game. I wish it was a night game. Um, cause I think that would sort of even, even things out a little bit, but I am going to, uh, I'm going to roll with the victors in the preseason. I had Michigan as a preseason number one team. I thought them to be the best team. Steve, I do agree with you, but I think that the about the offensive line, but I think the bar is pretty high yeah. relative to what no they've doubt. had the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So it may not be that, but it's plenty good enough. And the real question with Michigan to me is, do the external factors get to them? And if so, when? It won't be this week. It's too early in the process. I think it's still a galvanizing thing. I agree 100%. Until I see Penn State make some big plays on offense, um, I'm going to need to see it. I do think that Manny Diaz and the defense will cause some disruption for the Michigan offense. But I'm taking Michigan and laying the points because I'm not convinced Penn State, barring kick returns, blocked kicks, pick sixes, scoops and scores, can get enough points. 
uh, on the board to to win the game or stay close enough. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the maize and blue to uh, to sort of break this trend of what if the Big Three and the Big Ten East if they all just win their home games, mm. which is still which is still on the table for Penn State, but I'm saying it comes to an end Saturday. Michigan wins and covers. How what many unbelievable theater we're 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 just hurtling towards right now, by the way, for for Michigan Ohio State to end this year yeah. with everything swirling, with how much they hate each other, with the losing streak for Ohio State, with the the vitriol and that rivalry at some kind of. I mean, it's it is amazing, amazing theater. You know, if, you know what would add to it, Pete? I really think adding to that would be a Penn State victory on Saturday because mm. then it sort of becomes all or nothing for both of them. Now, I don't know where the mm. fifth tiebreaker stands at the moment, <laughs> but at last check, when we looked at it before, meaning a three-way tie, it would favor Penn State. So you could have an all or nothing feel with everybody watching the results in the West and still needing to win your own game uh, You know, for Michigan or Ohio State avoiding losing it. Um, it would be tremendous theater, but it still will be if they are also the two undefeated teams standing. How many points would you would, need to take Penn State? Eight. Okay. I was going to say nine. I thought that's what the line was going to be. That's that's another reason I'm sort of uh, taking Mich- uh, Penn State too, is I thought it would be more than a touchdown, and it's not. I might that's, even. I love the gamblers who are like Vegas knows team. something. They they there there's voodoo in the line. That that's one of my yeah, favorite yeah, gambler yeah. things because it's usually that, right. But it's just fascinating. The and that tiebreaker, like, like, I would I would guess what? is going to be heavily dependent on Iowa. It, 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 it was State it, played it was, them. It was based on the Iowa Wisconsin game when when I referenced Correct. it earlier in the season because we were bringing some um, importance to the Iowa Wisconsin game as to how it went. But you know Iowa won and they're still on top of the you know on top of the heap as it were in the Big Ten West. So I assume. <laughs> That still helps, but I think there are also some records below that that uh, come into play as well. And we don't have to worry about it until we get to the potential for the mm-hmm. three-way tie, but it is something to at least uh, be alerted uh, alerted to. And what Pete referenced about the fishiness in the line, one of my favorite Corso lines of all time when he's making picks. Somebody knows something. And I'm going with the somebodies you know, <laughs> when he picks when he picks with a fishy line. Somebody knows something, and I'm going with the somebodies. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Track meet Alabama, a 10.5 point favorite at Kentucky. This game kicks off at noon Eastern. Let's go Pete, Reese, and then Steve. So this game has some slogginess feel to it, right? Like, I don't think Kentucky's going to score a ton of points. Uh, I also don't think Alabama's going to run roughshod on the road on Kentucky's very good defense the way they did to LSU's not very good defense. So I'm going to take the 10 here, and, and I'm going to think that the the, the, tide is, uh, the tide is due for a bit of a letdown. 
I'm going to take the the Stanford Steve Needle thread here. I don't think Alabama is going to lose this game, but I, I like I like Kentucky starting ten and a half up in it to uh, to hold on. I, I tend to agree with you. I think with a, a noon start, eleven body clock time for Alabama, coming off what is always uh, an emotional game against LSU under any circumstance, but particularly this year, having lost to them a year ago. Uh, you know, Nick always gets pretty wound. Uh, wound up for that particular game, even if he tries to downplay it a little bit. There's going to be a little bit of an emotional hangover feel. And I wouldn't be surprised even if Kentucky, you know, jumps up seven or 10 to nothing, but ultimately not quite enough points. I can, I can see a uh, 27 14 type of game, you know. 30 to 16, 17, something in that along those lines. And that means an Alabama cover. So I'm going to go with a, not a sloppy, but a, a sluggish is the right word. A sluggish. Are they going to cover? Are they not? Is Kentucky getting in the back door? Will they not? I'm going to go with that kind of cover uh, for Alabama. I'm going to take Kentucky. I, you mentioned the body clock deal, Reese. There was a lot. There was a lot put in to that win over LSU. And when you look at mm -hmm. this matchup, Kentucky's not going to be as chaotic on defense. They're going to sit back. Uh, you could obviously see there were some keys to to Milrow taking off when he was in the pocket, what, whether it was what LSU was doing or what his guys were doing. Uh, but Kentucky's going to be way more buttoned up, and I still think the idea of how this doesn't happen a lot and Alabama coming to your town – is enough to get an A1 effort out of Kentucky. So I expect the Wildcats to keep it close. Taylor, bet your uh, 401k on the tide. <laughs> we'll let you know how it goes. There's not a lot in there. Uh, <laughs> let's go to Take out a loan. <laughs> <laughs> Miami at Florida State. Florida State, a 14.5-point favorite at home. This game kicks off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll go Reese, Steve, and then Pete. There's enough... Uh battered and bruised nature going on with the Seminoles to have some concern, although I think they're going to be a little bit closer to full strength this week. Um, Miami is perplexing, but there's just something, and maybe it's the rivalry, maybe it's the feeling that Miami better do something or this is going to be another disappointing season for them, even though they are improved over Mario Cristobal's first year. I do worry very much that uh, that Tyler Van Dyke will give the Seminoles a couple of easy ones, and this cover is going to be easy because I believe Florida State, far superior team. I believe Florida State can win the national championship. But there's just a little bit in my gut that tells me, take the two touchdowns and the bonus hook for Miami at least not to get blown out. So um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Miami in the points. Uh, thread the needle, as it were. I do think Florida State wins the game. I don't think there's any question about that. But I'm going to take I'm going to take the points that they keep it uh, that they have enough around to keep it close enough. Totally agree on all fronts. Uh, I just feel like there's there's a there's a extra special effort uh, in Miami, and I think Florida State gets that, and I think it helps them down the road. But uh, Florida State wins. Miami covers. Vehemently disagree. Um, Tyler Van Dyke seemingly is about to be benched. No one has said that explicitly, but no one has said he's going to start, which is not a good wow. sign 
for an offense that has been that is that has been sputtering. Yeah, the uh, I guess the follow up since I got the wow from Steve is that there has been uh, there has been silence on uh, whether or not they're going to do that, and there's been a lot of like fish and cut bait conversations. When do you make a move? Conversations, which is crazy to think. One of the biggest stories of this off season was Alabama's alleged courtship of Tyler Van Dyke. Like he was thought of as one of the best returning quarterbacks in the country. There's been some injuries certainly that have, uh, that have slowed him down, but um, there is, uh, yeah, there is some, there's some lukewarm feelings at the very least. Uh, Mario Cristobal quote, I wouldn't use this forum to discuss a personnel move, especially at that position because it affects so many things. So read into that what you may, but there's reading that there could be, uh, there could be some, some change coming. So I, yeah, I just think that Miami's offense, if you looked at their output at NC State, is going to struggle to score more than 14 points. I don't know, and uh, we'll certainly have some updates on game day on Saturday, whether Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman are going to be back. The The pit game felt a little bit like it might have been a maintenance game for them, like, uh, you know, Trevion Henderson's taken a few of those in the, in the last year. So yeah. um, if those dudes are back rolling, uh, the Seminoles are going to score 28 points, 35 points, whatever it is. Miami defense is fine, but it's not elite. So I uh, I think we're going to be hearing the uh, tomahawk chop and some echoes of the past in Tallahassee this weekend. Fun little game in the SEC East, Tennessee, a one-point favorite at Missouri. This game kicks off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Let's go Steve, Pete, and then Reese. Love this matchup. Really, really fired up to, to see what happens. Uh, we got game day impl- implications on the line. And somebody told me that Tennessee has scored 66, 62, and 35 in the last three matchups. This Missouri team is probably wasn't Blake Baker. <laughs> no, 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 it was not. It was not close, but not. Um, I'd look at this matchup, watching the uh, tape back of Missouri and Georgia. I was really impressed with what Missouri brought to the table on both lines of scrimmage. They hadn't done that in years past, even in uh, Coach Drink's whole tenure. Uh, that That's where they've you know lost it. That's where they've lost these matchups to Tennessee uh, as badly as they have. Those guys are a lot better. He's got some players there. And I just – I like Missouri's approach offensively. Uh, last week against Georgia, you see what they do with formations into the boundary to create matchups on guys that they want. I feel like it's more buttoned up than Tennessee's offensive approach. And this this is where you take that next step as a program. Um, and it's it's getting up off the deck. You know, you, you're down 27-21 in Athens and you have the ball. Like that, that that's all you could ask for. Unfortunately, you throw an interception, and then that 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 hope is gone. But this is where you get up off the deck and show that you're a better program. You got a foundation, you got players, and you got depth as a as a program. So I'm going to take Missouri in this game. I, I feel like be, beating Tennessee this year comes down to a very linear thought, which is a different linear thought than beating Tennessee last year. Beating Tennessee this year comes down to can you can you stop the run? And Missouri has a very good rush defense. It's 24th in the country. And they have a defense that I feel like has started to play better as the season has has gone on. As their offense, I think Steve mentioned earlier, has found some identity. I thought they really used the stretch run play well against Georgia. Eat some clock. That's obviously going to be key. Anytime you play Tennessee, you want to play a little takeaway and not let them go tempo, tempo down down your throat. So I I think this could be one of the best games of the weekend. Uh, I'm Mm. excited to watch it. And uh, 
I just I feel like Missouri's got a little juju this year, maybe that they haven't had in the past couple of years. You look at that Mevis kick, obviously Harrison Mevis, mm-hmm. the sixty whatever yard like that. Those are the type of plays teams that are winning it on rolls, you know, on rolls make. And look, if Georgia misses a, I think it was a career long by their freshman kicker field goal, Missouri's got the ball and a chance to go win the darn game yeah. uh, in Athens on Saturday. So they they I thought they played Georgia very well, acquitted themselves very well, and uh, I think they uh, I think they win on Saturday and uh, and, and beat Tennessee. I expected Georgia to control the game against Missouri last week. So I I want to be careful how I phrase this because I think Georgia is significantly better than Missouri, better team won. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Missouri should have won the game. But based on my expectation of each, I was more impressed with Missouri than Georgia. Doesn't mean I was disappointed in Georgia in the least. I was not. I just didn't expect Missouri to match up as long as they did. I figured they would give them some fight early and then eventually break, and they just never did. Throwing an interception late and not quite getting it done is not breaking. It's just It just didn't happen. They mm-hmm. never broke. Um, that showed a remarkable toughness. They've got some dynamic playmakers. They've got a they've got good defense. They're you know they're good on the corner. And Tennessee, Tennessee has gotten wobbly on the road. Started out well in Tuscaloosa, didn't finish well. Never really got anything going in Gainesville on the road. And this is going to be a tough environment too. And then the big numbers that you mentioned, uh, Steve, I think uh, will allow Missouri to recover quickly from that disappointment last week. Yeah, I think uh, I think Missouri wins wins the game. And so I'm going to go with the Tigers, too. Next up, I think this is the per- first appearance we've had Rutgers on the board. Rutgers at Iowa. Iowa, a point-and-a-half favorite. This kicks off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. The total, 28-and-a-half. Let's hear it from Pete, Reese, and then Steve. So we pick the total or the game? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more Do whatever you want total. with this one. Yeah. So I'm going to pick the total. I saw this stat on uh, social media. I think Matt Fortuna had it that there have been like seven Iowa games that have had like 30-ish, like ridiculously low spreads and the under hit in all of them. So um, I would, I, I'm not going to bet against that trend, but I will say this, Gavin Wimsett has thrown critical, debilitating pick sixes in all of Rutgers' losses this year, mm-hmm. all right, including one that turned yeah. the game against Ohio State. Like if you can prop bet a Gavin Wimson pick six and a Cooper DeGene pick six. I think that's a that's a wise investment at this point, looking at the histories of uh of of both. So I'm gonna take the under until the offenses prove otherwise. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Iowa here. I mean, a safety covers it, right? And it's uh that 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 game in Wrigley last week with the wind blowing in and and holding them down to 17 and and Rutgers Rutgers is much improved and they they played their tails off against Ohio State last week but uh, Pete hit it you can't uh, you can't be uh, loose with the ball for one second against the against the Iowa defense so I'll take I'll take under the total and I'll take Iowa continuing its march toward the Big Ten championship game or preferably some type of seven-way tie. I hope Sicko's committee will let us know that that's still possible in the Big Ten West. And if so, uh, hopefully we'll we'll get that. And I don't care who wins the tiebreaker. But in this particular game, uh, at home, only giving a point and a half, that means they can just get a safety. They'll be able to cover at some point to make the difference. So I'll take Iowa. 
I'm going to take Iowa. I, I I have to admit this shamefully, but like all the great games we had last week at noon, uh, you know, you got AM, you got Ole Miss, you got Notre Dame, Clemson, uh, Texas, Kansas State. I'm in the hotel and I'm I'm fixated on Ohio State and Rutgers. <laughs> and the reason I was fixated is they they had the perfect game plan to not get blown out in that game and cover the spread against Ohio State. Every single play, they brought down to three on the play clock. They executed, and one tip ball, pick six, turns the whole thing around. How about that and fumble ruski, Steve? Not to cut oh, you off. Phenomenal. Oh, phenomenal. one of the great plays of the year. Yeah. No doubt. And and, and that, with that, they, they still can't cover. So I just look at the margin for error being that, that small for Rutgers. And Rishi touched on it. Whatever you do, Iowa just strains you. Just strains you everything. And Rutgers' offense is not a uh, a strength. So I'm going to take Iowa at home. I do, I, I do see I, – I feel like if Rutgers were to pull this off, this would be his biggest win since he came back. To I would away, right? Yeah, yeah. I, would I mean, they just that. haven't yeah. been able to do it. I mean, multiple teams have gone there, but to be able to go on the road and do it, I think, would be a huge win for Rutgers. But I just, I don't see it. I want to say there was a big pick six in this game last year. I want to say this game was on Friday night, and we were watching the hotel in Lawrence. Reese, does that sound right? Um, I, I do not recall Friday uh, night I, game. I, yeah. No, there's yeah. a lot of results. You 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 yeah. uh, you, you are under no obligation to remember every every uh, every yeah, I, result. I don't and, recall that. And and how they have it. They had two Ruggers had like two rock fights with Nebraska and Iowa um, that they ended up losing. And uh, yeah, anyway, a lot of rock fights in the Big Ten. Yeah, let's see. That sounds. It was the. I just looked it up. The Iowa last year. Iowa Rutgers was uh, was twenty seven ten on the last weekend in September. But at halftime, it was. Close. It was tight then. That's what I, I, I want to say. That game was a game yeah, until there was yeah some debilitating play. Anyway, um, I that is a that is a pod hijacking. So I will uh, I will I will put my gun away and let us finish <laughs> the meanderings there and thinking back. And I think it gives people a little insight to uh, how we need to get out more because yeah, that's <laughs> true. we're all sitting there going, yeah. I tell you what, wait wait to hear this next one when all of us are going to know something about this one. To Athens, the fellas will be on the scene for Ole Miss playing the Bulldogs. Bulldogs 10.5-point favorite. This kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern. Let's go Reese, Steve, and then Pete. Now, see, I foreshadowed, Taylor, because I thought you were going Texas State, Coastal mm. Carolina next. But we maybe we'll get, get to that. Ooh, you know what? Get to that Steve. Maybe we must be getting long. That's like when Jimmy G, the producer on game day, gets in my ear and we start fighting during the picks. He's like, I've, I'll use an example from this week. I've got to drop Texas State and Coastal Carolina. You can't drop that game. We teased it. I've got to drop something. Well, don't drop anything. I'll tell them to be quick. Anyway, we go back and forth on all that. So I'll be tight for you, Taylor, on Ole Miss and Georgia. Um, I think Lane's done a great job with his team. I, I've really been a big fan of Jackson Dart since he was at USC, and I'm pleased to see the way he's come along. Um, I just I figure that there will be a, I think we said this on Wednesday, a trunk full of funk from Lane for his old coordinator buddy at Alabama, Kirby Smart. Save that for and it Saturday. Might, he, yeah, he might, uh, he might, he might catch him, uh, catch him with a blindside block, figuratively speaking, here and there, and and get a couple in. But um, 
I, I think I think Georgia wins and covers. I'm going to take the dogs. I I think they're they've answered the bell against Missouri. They're probably the most talented team. Uh, Ohio State's very talented as well. So is Michigan. So are Washington and Oregon. But Georgia's probably the most talented team. Carson Beck keeps making plays. They run the ball when they have to. They find receivers when they need to. And I I just don't see in that environment on a Saturday night, even though Ole Miss has had a, has had a solid season, didn't do much uh, offensively against Alabama long time ago but a very similar defense in in terms of um, body types, skill, depth, all of that. Long time ago, time for both to improve. But I'm going to say that um, that Georgia pulls away in this one and covers with relative ease. Who do you guys who do you guys think is a better quarterback, Brady Cook or Jackson Dart? Hmm. Jackson Dart. B. Jackson Dart's better. Quarterback Brady Cook may be having a better season. How's that okay. for splitting the hairs? I I agree. And when I look at this matchup and going back again, watching Missouri, I, I love their plan and how they attack things. And when you you mentioned all the funk that that Lane's going to bring, Reese Lane doesn't get enough credit for how sophisticated his offense is. When and I talk about mm-hmm. that is with the run game. He does so many things to create matchups for his blockers because he doesn't have the five-star offensive lineman. And I, 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 he doesn't get enough credit for that. And obviously, when he gets in these big spots, it doesn't go well. So those things compound each other. But I, I really feel the same way about this game that I did with Missouri. I, I don't think Ole Miss can win the game, but I, I truly believe they have the goods to hang around in this game. Georgia's defense, as good as they are, I mean – that that uh twenty three Tyke Smith is playing like a maniac. That guy is all over the place. Uh, love watching him, but I still feel like they're gettable to an extent. Uh, so I'm taking Ole Miss with the points there. So I've I've learned over the years, you can tell because I'm twenty games below five hundred in my picks that uh that you it's never smart to pick on a coach or a program to completely change what they have been, right? Like Mm -hmm. Ole Miss has been just not quite good enough. Lane has been not quite good enough in these big games to to, to topple them. And I don't think this Ole Miss team is going to be the one that changes like the archetype of what Ole Miss has been. So I'm going to take Georgia. I'm going to take the points. And uh, yeah, I'm going to take Georgia to cover cover the 10 and a half. I just don't think Ole Miss or Lane Kiffin has evolved to the point where they can beat Georgia. And at that point, I think Georgia's offense will uh, we'll be able to march up and down the field. I think Georgia's offense, especially their pass game, has been a little bit underrated this year. Like, they've been Agreed. very dynamic yeah. in that, in that, yeah. in that. Like, we, this isn't like some Saban team from, you know, 2010 or whatever that's just like, you know, hammering into the A-gap. Like, they, they are dynamic. They are explosive. They are efficient. And I think they are powerful enough on each line to wear Ole Miss down and, and win this game by two touchdowns. I'm curious to see hey, if Taylor, Georgia scores we go to- 40. Yeah. That's a quick, a couple of quick caveats on this game that I, I just want to get out ahead of just in case, right? If Ole Miss wins the game, then they're going to have a compelling college football playoff case potentially on the final Sunday, assuming no further stumbles because they are still unlikely to go to the SEC championship game uh, and Alabama would go. So they would be sitting there 11 and one, one loss mm. at Alabama. 
victory against Georgia, potentially a victory over the SEC champion, Georgia Bulldogs, same number of losses and a head-to-head victory. Um, their case gets quite interesting if uh, if they are able to pull this upset. Not just interesting. Uh, I mean, it comes down to really, I think, how good you think they are and how much you're going to reward winning a single game on a Saturday in November as opposed to winning the conference championship. And I, I'm still not exactly sure uh, whether it would be better for Ole Miss's case for um, Georgia to win the SEC or for Alabama. I think Georgia, because they beat them and it would eliminate Alabama, I think that would mm-hmm. be best. But the flip side of it is if Alabama won, it would eliminate Georgia too. So it, they, I still doubt they make it. But it certainly will be. Uh, it, it would be. They'll be in the mix on that final Sunday if they're able to win and mm. and not and not stumble after this. We don't root for teams, but I think we all like chaos a little bit. Boy, hotty toddy, if you like chaos. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. For sure. One more uh, potential chaotic game here. Maybe. Maybe Pac-12 after after dark. USC at Oregon. Oregon a sixteen and a half point favorite. Uh, again, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time kick. Let's go, Steve, Pete, and then Reese. I, is, I'm not overthinking this. I, I'm, I'm laying the points with Oregon. They're better at every facet of the game. Maybe their quarterback is not as talented, but that system is more consistent and reliable for me at home. I don't know what the mindset's going to be of SC. No more defense coordinator. You look at the road ahead, Reese, you've pointed out multiple times. What, what are we going to get? It's it's not a long road, I'll tell you that. It's 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 mm-hmm. it's coming to a it's coming to a halt pretty quickly. Uh so I just I, I with all that Oregon has to come or has to, you know, has to play for moving forward, them knowing that uh I think is the difference of of of, of them keeping the focus. So uh I'm gonna land with the ducks. I'm gonna overthink it. It's a lot of points for Caleb Williams, and Oregon isn't built to score 50. Now, again, they did against Portland State and a few other teams, but I think USD can still score against Oregon's very good defense. I still have memories of Oregon's secondary getting filleted by Michael Penix, and I believe Caleb Williams and his receivers, although the receivers aren't in the same category as Washington's receivers, they didn't have McMillan that day for very long. So I just feel like USC is going to be able to move the ball. Caleb is going to be able to move the ball. There is a last stand element to this game that I think is going to be important here. And so I, I'm not going to talk myself into USC winning, but I do think they they this will be a game into the third quarter, which would allow USC to be comfortable to cover. I am really torn on this because I think Oregon's good enough to win the national championship. And since we were on the subject of Lane Kiffin and big games, Lane Kiffin's biggest win at USC was probably the upset at Oregon in 2011. He gave Chip Kelly his first loss at Autzen Stadium. Ducks were number four, kind of, you know, took any hope they had of getting into that uh, BCS picture away and finished them. And, you know, while Lane has his opportunity, USC has a similar type stage against Oregon and, you know, should remind ourselves also that if USC wins this game and then beats UCLA, the other results in the Pac-12 are likely to form uh, to shake out so that SC would make it to the Pac-12 title game. That's not a lock. There are some tiebreaker scenarios, but the most logical and the favored results would likely put them in the Pac-12 title game if they win. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're good enough to win. I'm 
on defense especially. I also wonder if they can protect Caleb Williams because we saw we saw people getting to them. Oregon's been very good at at pressuring the quarterback. I think they're top 15 in the country in sacks. Man, it just seems like a lot of points. This is the this is one of the quintessential Pepto games. I don't know if they quit. I suspect they haven't. I like Oregon. I might end up picking Oregon to win the whole freaking thing at the end. But with that quarterback and those receivers, and you got to figure a few, you know, a few busts here and there, I, I'm going to sort of hold my nose and take the points. I'm really, I'm really hesitant to do so, but I'm going to take the 16 and a half and go with the Trojans. How about 73 and a half over under? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that number's bigger than I expected. Uh, Steve earlier asked a question what the number would be um, for me to take Penn State or for us to take Penn State. And I said it was about eight, eight and a half. And the number's four and a half. If you ask the same question here, what would the number need to be for me to lay it with the Ducks? It's only a couple points down from that. Probably, probably 13 and a half for mm. sure, and maybe 14 and a half. But you get up to that one little extra possession, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points, but I I will be stunned if USC wins the game. But I'm I'm got gonna it. take the I'm gonna take the big number. That's all we got, fellas. So no, so you just uh, you just you just ditched poor old GJ Kenny, uh, getting off to a mercurial start in his coaching career, an electric one, riding a rocket ship, giving one at Coastal Carolina, where they are going to win, led by TJ Finley, the former LSU and Auburn quarterback. Uh, I'm going. I'm going Texas State. I just had to get that in there for our guy GJ. That's all because you just you blew right past it because you're so upset about the Maryland pick. <laughs> I really, I really believe that Taylor. Really, it has to be hard to be a Maryland fan. Maryland football fan. Oof. It'd be hard. It's, it's the absolute worst existence. <laughs> I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And um, honestly, uh, my wife is an Alabama fan, so I, I kind of you know slide over to that that end of things. The, the family was over on Saturday. We're fist pumping watching Alabama LSU. So that's where I'm at. You know, it's point. kind of it's kind of an interesting thing because they're they're. I'm not going to out one of our colleagues, but he has a similar situation, not with Alabama, but with another um, uh, team that's perennially in the limelight. And that is not his allegiance. It is his wife. And he sort of fakes it, but he is secretly delighted every time that power brand um, gets their eye dotted. If you get the reference right there, he's secretly <laughs> delighted by it, but feigns support of a uh, semi feigns support of, of, you know, people who like to fight that team across the field. So it's interesting I, uh, that you I'm actually my say that you root rely on my wife watching Syracuse and seeing them win because it would be pretty dark around here. <laughs> <laughs> Does the, is your is your wife a Syracuse alum? Also, yeah, she went to Syracuse too. So okay, uh, all right. When we met, she didn't know how to pronounce Bayheim, so that really probably tells oh. you about where uh, about where her <laughs> fandom is. So <laughs> <laughs> did, did she call him Bohemian? What did she? What did? How did she pronounce? I, it? I don't. I don't remember. But it wasn't. It wasn't Bayheim. <laughs> Bohemian. But, you know, the other thing, too, yeah, the other thing that would be delightful and and much to Jim's chagrin would be is she went to Syracuse and was completely unaware of his existence. No, she kind of knew he was like, the, there was always some controversy up there. So, you know, like, I, I don't remember which one it was, which one was the time. Jim's our colleague now. So we have to we have to make sure we we keep we keep things buttoned up. I, I'm 
I'm a big fan. He's he's a he's a lot of fun. He's not as uh he's not as miserable as he tries to make his outward appearance <laughs> seem. He's actually he's a, a delight. He's a funny guy. guy. He's very he's smart. He's a very funny guy. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be great. He'll be great with us for sure. Guys, it was a pleasure. Taylor, thank you for wading through this. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. And by the way, we should have mentioned if if news comes on Michigan. We'll be back to give you like a little emergency update, uh, whether, you know, if it were to come down that Jim Harbaugh is not coaching in that game. So never fear. I don't, I don't think it's going to affect my pick at all, but it might be other guys. And we'll certainly uh, get you up to date on that if conditions warrant. This has been the College Game Day podcast. I urge you to subscribe or download it where you prefer to get podcasts. Before we go, we have another interview from our friend Jen Latta inside the Mercedes-Benz ESPN College Football Podcast Sprinter down in Athens. This interview is brought to you by the Mercedes-Benz ESPN College Football Podcast Sprinter, coming soon to a game near you. Visit mbvans.com slash sprinterlabs to learn more. All right, this conversation is coming from our custom ESPN College Football Sprinter van and is presented by Mercedes-Benz. I'm Jen Latta, so lucky today to be joined by Elle Duncan, who is a sports center anchor extraordinaire, but so talented in a number of ways, including Elle. I've always loved how tapped in to college football you are. I know you're an unabashed Georgia fan. Did you see why I was doing that? Because I was going to start barking, and then I was like, oh, Jen's being professional. Let me not. <laughs> you know what? If you want to bring out the bark, I have no problem with that. Dogs. So let's begin with this. We are here in Athens today um, getting ready for college game day. How confident are Georgia fans about a three-peat with this squad? Okay, so I'm experiencing something I've never experienced in my whole entire life as Georgia fandom, and that is level-headed Georgia fans. And I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? We're supposed to be irrational and crazy and panicky. Um, I think that – confidence. I think that this feels like as good a year as any um, because some of the teams that we have come to depend on being – the biggest hindrances to Georgia repeating are having a little bit of a down year. Like I know Alabama is rebounding and they're playing their best football and it looks like we're streaking to see them in the SEC championship. Um, But I think some of the other teams that we felt incredibly confident about uh, like an Ohio state or even facing a Michigan, which we've already done in the playoffs and we see what happens. Ohio state concerns me a little bit, you know, the idea that they've got a really balanced offense and defense I think before you sort of would expect from the Big Ten that you're going to see a lot of points put up, but that the SEC's physicality is still just uh, like unmatched. And that feels like it's evening out a little bit. So I would say the confidence meter for most Georgia fans is really excited that we've won two, um, but not a ton of pressure, Jen. Like nobody's won three, right, since the Leatherhead days. So I don't think that there's pressure, but certainly it feels like there is an opportunity if we can get through this gauntlet. And then, of course, if we can beat Bama it always comes down to beating so it Bama. sounds like part of you is like we've already won two so this is kind of gravy at this point right this would be a House cherry money. on top of an incredible Sunday that y'all have created over the last couple of seasons but this team is really good still yeah. I mean one of the top defenses in the country yep. obviously from a scoring defense standpoint they've got one of the best offenses in the SEC I think averaging almost 39 points per game so it does feel like all of the pieces that have been there in past years are there again, you're just saying it depends on what everybody else does. Yeah, I also think too, though, Jen, is that like we 
we all know that there's such a thing as style points. And when Georgia is on the precipice, or at least trying to do something that even Bama has never done, because let's be honest, like I can troll tide all I want, and of course I always <laughs> will, but everyone is chasing what they've done. The ability to not just get to the top, but to stay there. Nobody's been more relevant over the last 20 years in Alabama. If we are looking to take that next step and be that next dynastic program, like people are saying that we are, style points matter. And so despite the fact that, yes, we have a incredibly efficient offense, despite the fact that our defense is amongst the best in the SEC, we just haven't had that statement, punch somebody good in the mouth, Florida doesn't count, um, and and convince everybody, including the playoff committee, that they are the undisputed number one team. And it just feels like for a team that's won 25 straight games, there's still so many question marks out there for people. So yes, I do still think that we control our own destiny. I do still think that this team, if they're playing at their best, if Brock Bowers gets back, if they can figure out some of the issues they've got on their run defense, they're still a better, more talented team than Alabama is, despite how good Alabama's defense is. But yeah, it just... I'm waiting to see if over the next couple of weeks, whether it be Ole Miss or Tennessee, I'm hoping that they can have one of those statement type of games that makes everybody feel a little bit more comfortable because we just haven't seen it yet. And I like that. I like the idea that they're sort of spinning this into we've been losing in five of our six SEC games and we remain undefeated. Like we handle adversity. We handle it well. We're resilient and we're tough. I'm hoping that that ultimately will help them in the playoffs. And the goal, of course, is to be playing your best football during the playoff portion of the season and not necessarily at the beginning, one of the things that Georgia has to overcome is brain drain. Mm -hmm. And that is when they take coaches who have been successful at a program and they start going to other places. Dan Lanning is a perfect example of that. And what he is doing out at Oregon, what do you make of the Pac-12 this year in their final year of existence? Make it a statement. Listen, we actually are experiencing this in like women's basketball too, where it's like the Pac-12 is like, we are going out with a damn bang. I mean, these teams are... I talked about sort of when you handicap the playoffs over the last few years you can sort of speak in generalities when it comes to some of these conferences and go this is what's going to happen right we've only had one Pac-12 team make it in this currently in this current CFP uh, format that was Washington they got boat race and that's always the thing right it's like oh Pac-12 is going to put up a bunch of numbers but their defense is trash and once these SEC teams and once these but that argument is gone because Dan Lanning has brought the same kind of approach out there that he had in Georgia. And it's really scary. Now, I do still think that there's a certain element of people, especially if an SEC team faces them, that are going to go, you know, we kind of know what Bo Nix does. Like, he was here. He was one of us. We understand. But I do think that because the Pac-12 is so good, that they are now making it to where a team like Georgia cannot fail, right? Like, How many times are we having this conversation right now where we're sort of looking um, at the outlook and we say, if Georgia does make it to the SEC championship and they face Alabama and they somehow lose because of what the Pac-12 has done, they're not going to be able to sneak in like in years past. They're not going to have the benefit of the doubt of saying, yeah, but you're playing in the SEC. The Pac-12 has kind of become that this year. We're playing each other and sort of um, cannibalizing themselves has put them in a really position of power and it kind of sucks because it felt like for so many years the Pac-12 was so incredibly irrelevant which is why all these teams wanted to leave and now they're one of the most irrelevant conferences rather so it seems a little bit sad you know it's like that last rally before you die I think they've they've talked about that before where all of a sudden when you're sick and you feel really really great um, that kind of feels like what we're headed for with the Pac-12 a little bit but yeah they're playing great um, and, and we'll see they still have to play in the CFP We'll see. I still like my SEC defense over theirs. We'll see. And we didn't even talk about Washington, which is the undefeated team, as they beat Oregon. I know that 
teams from the Big Ten are watching the season going, oh, darn, like these guys who are coming in, they may actually be some powerhouses that they have to contend with going forward. So we'll see how all of that shakes I out. I love that too, Jen, by the way. Like I love the idea that a lot of these teams that are coming to new conferences have went ahead and had sort of a statement. Like when they decided to add a Texas to the SEC, I'm like, I, I may, it makes sense. It makes sense geographically. Brand. We sort of align, brand, like we align. But at the same time, we don't need more okay teams in the SEC. Like, give me some damn competition. And what Texas was able to do this year in beating Bama was such a statement game to the rest of the SEC. What Oklahoma was able to do in beating Texas was a statement game. And the same thing with Washington. So I think, yeah, we're sort of seeing these teams go, you think that we're just sort of like fleeing a bad conference and that we're just trying to find shelter wherever we can, but we are coming in with a chip on our shoulder and we're ready to contribute right away. All right, college football playoffs obviously coming up in about five or six weeks. We keep seeing now the rank show every Tuesday night. You can watch that on ESPN with Reese Davis holding court with the guys. Who are your top four teams right now and will it be different at the end of the year? Okay, my top four teams right now, I'll start at number four. Um, I'm going to give it to Florida State. Um, Listen, it hasn't always been pretty, but they've done everything that they've been asked to do and they've stepped up in every single moment that they uh, have been asked to step in. Number three, I'm still going to give it to Michigan. That could change even after today, right? Like, we don't really know what's going to happen the rest of the way. But as of right now, how they're currently constructed, Michigan is my number. You view Michigan differently if Jim Harbaugh is not on the sideline. 100%. Not just if he's not on the sideline. It 100% depends if, and again, this is all conjecture and speculation, but let's just say for the purposes of this that he is suspended. There is a huge difference between being suspended from games like he was at the beginning of the year and suspended from the program. If you are not even allowed to be at practice, that dramatically changes that Ohio State game. I'm sorry, it does. And so, yes, I would absolutely handicap their chances at less than great if he's not on the sideline or not in the facility over the next uh, three weeks. We'll see. As of now, they're still my number three team. I'm going to give... Ohio State number two. I know I sound like I'm being a homer, but they tried to lose to Rutgers. I'm sorry. They had an opportunity, newly minted number one team in the country, to make people feel confident that they should have a statement game. And they tried to lose to Rutgers. And I understand what Georgia did with Missouri wasn't pretty, but Missouri was a top 12 team, an SEC team. And they ultimately were never really at risk of losing that game. Like, they still had full command of that game. And, of course, I'm going to give Georgia the number one for the brand. We can't blame her for that, can we, folks? Come on, man. Last thing I have for you, because you've been so fantastic. I love the depth of knowledge that you bring to the college football conversation. What do you love most about college football? Because I know you are fans of some of the other Atlanta teams. You have some other allegiances from other times in the country as well. But you love college football. What is it that really... Tradition. Uh, Tradition. um, I'm sentimental. I'm nostalgic. And it feels like those are... I just love football in general. I love NFL football as well. But there's just something about college football Saturdays. There's something about every single team sort of having this thing, this galvanizing thing. And it's always funny, Jen, because people be like, wait, did you go to Georgia? I'm like, I didn't go to Georgia. But that's what's so beautiful, especially about like the South and with college football. You don't have to go to that team for that team to belong to you. And if you are from Georgia, then the Bulldogs are your team. Now, if you go to Georgia Tech, then it becomes that. Or if you go somewhere else, but you are born into this fandom and it means something. And we all come from different walks of life, depending on what city you're in, in Georgia alone. We're all incredibly different. But every Saturday, we find a way to put all that aside and come together and wear the same colors. And there's just something so 
incredibly profound about that. And I just love so much that that college football is at the basis of that. So um, I keep looking around and like remembering some of these very same bars that my feet were sticking to when I was uh, 17 and 18 years old, sneaking into to these bars in Athens. And um, there's just so many incredible memories, memories that you just don't have in the same way that you do for NFL games. Unfortunately for you, statute of limitations and whatnot. Correct. I, she, it wasn't me. <laughs> just a lookalike. Yeah. It was she just is Al right Duncan. We are so lucky to have her here. This conversation from our custom ESPN College Football Sprinter Van is presented by Mercedes-Benz. Thanks, Al. Thank you, Jen.